0: The following podcast is sponsored by First Phosphate. Enjoy. Welcome to the Commodity Culture Podcast, where we interview prominent investors in the commodity space to give you the inside scoop on the emerging commodity super cycle. And now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Commodity Culture, where we break down the commodity space for both new and experienced investors. My name is Jesse Day. Before we dive in, standard disclaimer, nothing here is investing advice. Do your own due diligence. And today's guest is the CEO of First Phosphate, a mineral development company dedicated to extracting and purifying phosphate for the lithium iron phosphate battery industry. Mr. John Pasolacqua, it's great to have you on.
1: Yeah, thank you, Jesse. Really nice to be on.
0: Yes, great to have you on. Phosphate is a commodity that is not often discussed, and I'm very fascinated to dive into it. But before we go there, I want to start like I do with all new guests with the origin story. So how did you discover the commodities and the battery metal space? And how did that eventually lead you to becoming the CEO of First Phosphate?
1: Yeah, thank you, Jesse. It's a really, really interesting story. If you'd asked me a year ago if I'd be here, I would have told you you were absolutely insane. So it was just a, you know, a confluence of events. So uh, you know, I, 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 I'm an investor. I, I have a family office, and at one point we were looking for investments in the potash or phosphate space. Uh, we went through looking for potash investments, couldn't find any um, for agriculture. Then we went into looking for phosphate for agriculture. <laughs> Once we were in there, we found this shiny thing called the battery, um, and I just saw just such an opportunity. It was just like almost like you know scientific uh, scientific error, a discovery through scientific error. Um, so we saw that the you know lithium iron phosphate battery was was going to be emerging. Um, that there was all there's going to be all kinds of supply issues with it, and we thought we could do a really good job. So you know we went in for fertilizer, came out with a battery.
0: Very interesting. And phosphate, as you mentioned, uh, there also has an agricultural use that I want to get into. But first of all, I'd like to take a step back and look at the broad view of the macro picture for phosphate, starting with the simple question, what exactly is phosphate used for? What are its main uses?
1: So that's interesting, Jesse. um t- to today's date and probably will always be like this uh, phosphate is ninety percent used in in agri- in you know in agriculture uh, and also in animal feeds. about eighty percent of eighty eighty five percent of phosphate is uh, agriculture and about a five to seven percent is animal feeds and then there's another ten percent of really high purity uses of phosphate. that's when you start to getting into industrial applications um, of which you know you have the battery as well.
0: Could you give us an overview for the supply? of phosphate? Which countries currently produce phosphate and how is the supply chain set up?
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting. I mean, uh, almost eighty five percent of the world's phosphate um, comes from Morocco. Um, all the other countries in the world do have phosphate, but they're all depleting very quickly, and they've all hit peak phosphate. So it's about you know ten to thirty years of phosphate left in all other countries of the world, and then you've got these massive reserves uh, in Morocco that will be there for you know decades and, and even you know over a hundred hundred or more years. Um, so you, you know you've got peak phosphate in one area in all other countries of the world, and then you've got sort of you know. Um, infinite, uh, in a sense, uh, reserves in, in, in Morocco. So it's, it's sort, of, sort of starting to develop like a real uh, dependency on, on Morocco here over the next uh, few decades. So
0: I'm very curious about lithium iron phosphate batteries. We often hear about lithium ion batteries. Could you maybe tell us what differentiates lithium iron phosphate from other battery types and what the drivers on demand are there for the EV market?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting, Jesse. So, you know, uh, lithium iron phosphate is just another type of lithium ion battery. You know, the lithium ion batteries that most of us know are the nickel manganese cobalt um, that have, uh, lithium as a, <clears throat> as a basis as well. But the, the, uh, lithium iron phosphate battery sort of kind of swaps out the nickel manganese and cobalt for the lithium, uh, for the, sorry, for the phosphate and the iron, but it still has lithium. The LFP batteries tend to have less, um, use of lithium. Some say up to 50% less, but it, it depends on the manufacturer. So they're good. in that's kind of way you can make more, uh, Lithium iron phosphate batteries with the same amount of, sorry, with, with less amount of lithium, sometimes up to, you know, 50% less. And also, um, lithium iron phosphate batteries are, are, their are cath, the, the cathode active material, the powder, um, is, is much cheaper than the NMC battery, sometimes up to 50 to 66% cheaper. Um, and they have much better fire safety, um, they have longer life, um, <clears throat> and also, um, they're, they're non-toxic. The NMC batteries have the advantage over LFP batteries in that they're, you know, uh, they have a long, longer charge. Um, but you see what the LFP battery is developing into. It's really developing into the battery of sort of, uh, you know, the, the middle class, uh, the, the mass adoption battery because they are cheaper. So you can get the price of the vehicles down lower. And they're also really good for city driving. You know, they, if they can hold a charge up to, you know, 300 kilometers, you don't need more than that to, to go to work and, and, and to come back home and, in, in, in most, uh, cases, so you're going to see sort of the lithium iron phosphate batteries being sort of you know the uh, the middle class battery, the battery of mass adoption, sort of the battery of you know sort of the inner city, if you will. Whereas the NMC batteries will remain the battery of you know higher performance and uh, you know long longer longer use driving. But both of them are very complementary together. LFP and and NMC are just you know like husband and wife, um, and they get along uh, pretty good for the most part. Right
0: so are we seeing on the commercial side are we seeing more car manufacturers looking at lithium iron phosphate batteries is that something that you're seeing develop in the market at the moment
1: Yeah it's in, it's incredible uh, what's happened it's actually developed uh, much further and much quicker than than what we than what we ever thought uh for instance uh, you know all the, all the uh, manufacturers in North America uh, you know, Europe and Asia have now moved apart or, you know, m- much of their production onto LFP, you know, Stellantis in Europe was a holdout. They announced LFP the other day. If you look at, you know, something like Tesla, wow, the, the Tesla um, e- models have now started to to move to LFP, but also their whole um, sort of um, a trucking division and sort of s- small commercial vehicles um, have gone completely over to LFP. So it, it's quite, quite interesting what is starting to develop for the LFP battery.
0: And you mentioned the agricultural use earlier and how it's a different grade of phosphate that's used in the batteries. Could you maybe walk us through that and differentiate those different types of phosphate?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question, Jesse. So you've got to kind of step back a little bit. And, uh, you know, phosphate world divides itself up into two types of rock. So there's a sedimentary rock, uh, which is kind of like, you know, brittle, kind of like old seabed, if you will. And then there's igneous rock, which is more of a volcanic type of rock. And you'll find phosphate in both of those types of rocks. The only difference is that 95%, 95% of the world's phosphate is in sedimentary rock. And then only 5% is in igneous rock. In that 95% uh, sedimentary rock, you know, you find a lot of impurities like uranium, cadmium, thorium, and a whole host of other heavy metals. So those kind of deposits are good for you know a quick purification, a first-level purification where you, you take out uh, the heavy metals. Um, and that creates, you know, food, uh, sorry, um, fertilizer grade uh, phosphoric acid. It's called MGA, merchant grade phosphoric acid. And with merchant grade phosphoric acid, that's good enough for spreading on the fields because it doesn't have to have all of its impurities gone. And it can also go into animal feeds. But what is the, you know, the, the 10% of uses out there, purified phosphoric acid? Um, you know, that's what's really important because that's where you need, require a second and a third uh, purification level. So for that, you can certainly get purified phosphoric acid from sedimentary deposit, but only a small quantity of the sedimentary deposit can can be converted to purified phosphoric acid because the impurities are so high. When you use the igneous rock, which is only five percent of the world's um, phosphate, it's, it's much cleaner. Um, you know, the one that we have in, in Quebec has got low amounts of sulfur, low amounts of trace elements, and so you know, almost ninety percent of that can be uh, purified up to purified phosphoric acid. And that's a really important stat because with a mine size that, you you know, is an eighth, a tenth of the size of a sedimentary mine, you can make the same amount of purified phosphoric acid and you're not making much merchant grade acid for fertilizer. So it means that you can be focused on creating what I call, you know, technological material. And that's why, you know, uh, we're sitting in on, on, on uh, igneous anorthosite rock, which is 1% of the world's purest form of, of, of phosphate um, in Quebec, and uh, that allows us to make a, a large amount of purified phosphoric acid for the battery industry. So those are really the, the two, two types of rocks. You know, uh, 95% sedimentary, mostly, mostly for fertilizer, and then 5% uh, igneous rock, which is, you know, the best for making really high purity uh, applications such as the battery and other industrial uses. For instance, I don't know if you knew this, but, you know, um, purified phosphoric acid goes into Coca Cola, so if you pick up a can of Coca Cola, you'll find purified phosphoric acid. Sometimes you'll find it in paints. Um, sometimes you'll find it in fire extinguishers, uh, pharmaceuticals, cosmetics. So that's really the you know the really high purity um, use is 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 purified phosphoric acid, and that's sort of the holy grail of it, right? And that's where we're going to have the really big pinch point. Um, that's where you know the 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 LFP battery is really going to occupy. Um, you know, a large section of the demand. So people sometimes mistakenly think that it's going to compete with fertilizer, maybe a little bit in a sense, but it's really going to compete for purified phosphoric acid. And that's where we're going to find the pinch point. Um, and that's where we're going to find, you know, a, a su- supply is going to be shortened, price might, might shoot up rather dramatically, sort of like, uh, you know, it has with lithium in, in the purified phosphoric acid space.
0: Yeah, that was that's what I was going to ask next, actually, was about the price and perhaps the broader investment thesis for phosphate and the particular grade of phosphate you're speaking about. You mentioned a lot of very interesting drivers there for demand. How do you see the supply-demand fundamentals set up moving forward? And for somebody looking at the commodity space, why do you think phosphate presents such an attractive investment opportunity?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, phosphate, it's, 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 it's tricky in that there's, you know, different grades of it, right? And, and it's very confusing. Um, I think it's a fascinating commodity because, you know, it, not only is it food, but it's also, you know, tech, technology. Um, you know, when you're looking at, uh, at phosphate, you have to first understand the first, the first level of purification is when you take it out of the mine. Um, and it's either screened in, in the case of sedimentary deposit or it's, um, it's beneficiated crushed and and separated in the case of um igneous deposit like we have so and at that point you get what's called beneficiated phosphate rock which is a, you know a, a phosphate that's sitting anywhere between 30 to 40% purity inside usually a host mineral called apatite so you know sedimentary deposit usually gets to up to about you know 30% purity inside of apatite but uh Igneous rock can get up to about forty percent. We get up to forty and a quarter percent, which is really important because the theoretical max of uh, phosphate within um, apatite is forty-two percent. So us getting up to forty and a quarter percent means you know one of the, one of the highest purities ever achieved. Um, so that that that's beneficiated phosphate rock. Generally, that goes for um, you know the, the the standard is Moroccan rock phosphate. So that's usually about you know, three hundred and Twenty-five, three hundred and fifty dollars USD a ton. It, it keeps going up, um, and then you know you get a premium, obviously, for the igneous rock because it's 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 forty percent, uh, you know, phosphate. So you would just have to you know multiply that times you know one point three three or whatever it is. Um, so that's the first step of it. That's um, you know beneficiated phosphate rock, okay. And then after that, you're 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 converting it into what is called um, merchant grade phosphoric acid. And merchant grade phosphoric acid trades on the market. I don't know where the pricing is at. Last I saw, it was around you know a thousand dollars U.S. a ton. And then you go to a second uh, step of purity from MGA merchant grade acid. You go to purified phosphoric acid. Now this is where it becomes tricky because when you go to purified phosphoric acid, the market's a lot tighter. There isn't that many suppliers. There's only four suppliers in the Western world. Most of their stock is integrated, or they sell. You know, with these big offtake agreements to big companies. So it's really hard to get a pricing. But generally, we found it, you know, it's around 3,000, 3,500 USD per ton uh, for purified phosphoric acid. But, you you know, if you ask for a quote, you might, it might take a week before you get an answer. That's how how clunky that kind of market is. And it's, uh, you know, it's vertically integrated really uh, amongst very few players. Um, and then, then just so you understand the the merchant grade phosphoric acid uh, that I was talking about earlier, that then goes into making all kinds of different fertilizers. Whereas a purified phosphoric acid goes right into you know industrial application like cosmetics, uh, fire extinguishers, um, you know Coca Cola cans, uh, LFP battery, electronics, um, you know, uh, pharma, a, a number of other uh, of other uses. Very interesting. Now, could you walk us through the mining
0: methodology used to extract phosphate? Is this open pit operations, is it underground mines? How is How exactly is it mined, generally speaking?
1: Yeah, excellent question. And, and this is where, you know, it's really important to understand that um, why phosphate is special. So, now, phosphate trades by the ton. It's not like gold that trades by the gram. So you know you you can you can move it easily. Phosphate is almost like like a gravel, a little bit less, but you know you you need proper logistics to move it. So you know having just a high grade phosphate deposit somewhere doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're, you're going to be able to uh, refine it and be able to exploit it. You know, there's a lot of phosphate that's found, you know, in seabeds, for instance, and it's still there. And like, you know, I mean, there's been talk of dredging those, but gosh, that, that'd be a pretty horrible thing to do these days. Um, or there's, you know, a lot of phosphate that's found in kind of swampy areas, so it's hard to get to. Or there's phosphate that's found, you know, in, in great areas, but you know it's really far from infrastructure. So it's like, how do you get it to port? How do you move it? it takes a lot of trucking, a, a big CO2 footprint, or, you know. So really, you, you kind of got to look at two things um, when you're looking at at phosphate. You got to look at you know the grade, but you also have to look at the the infrastructure, right? Um, so generally, uh, phosphate is you know is is taken out of the out of the ground, and it's it um, sedimentary deposit is screened and then it's sent through for purification uh, into merchant-grade phosphoric acid. But if you have igneous rock, it's a really interesting process, at least our process is as such. We take the igneous rock and um, we, we, we crush it. Um, our igneous rock is really interesting. It also has uh, iron in it and titanium. So what we do is we have a solventless process. We're trying to stay as environmentally friendly as possible. So we, would, we crush that rock down to you know a fine powder, and then basically what we do is with um, – uh low intensity magnetics we pull out the iron cuz it's iron's very magnetic so the iron comes out and then after after that we uh, we we pull out the um the the titanium um, through a, a gravity separation method and also with the higher um, magnetics and then you're left with you know uh, an appetite appetite is a host mineral for the phosphate so we float that we emulsify that we float that up and then um, you know we we get to a an appetite that needs to be dried and then it's you know like I said it's at pretty high purity that's at about forty and a quarter percent it's the highest that you can get. Um, so that, that's the process for, for igneous rock. The process for sedimentary rock is more of a screening process. It's all different around the world because these, these deposits are, are very different amongst themselves, especially in the sedimentary world. You have to think of it almost like you know, seabed that's accumulated over the years. Um, it could have all kinds of different um, uh, characteristics depending on you know, the age or the, the region of the world and how it actually accumulated.
0: So there's a lot of policy being implemented around the world, Canada, the EU, the US, a lot of other countries surrounding critical minerals in their extraction and and government support going behind that. So I'm just wondering if, for example, in Canada, is phosphate considered a critical mineral? Do you see government support incoming if it's not currently categorized as one? Do you see that changing up ahead? What's the status there?
1: Yeah, so another very good question, and if we have our way, of course. (laughs) But uh, right now, it's you know at at the European Union level, it is deemed, I believe, a a critical. And I'm not sure if they have it down a strategic mineral. Um, It's also you know in the province of Ontario, um, it's 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 deemed as a critical mineral. Um, It's it's like that in some other countries, I believe, Korea, um, but for the moment at the Canadian level and also at the US level and also the Quebec level where we operate, it is not a critical mineral yet. We've been working very hard with the with various entities in Quebec to, to get that and I'm very hopeful that, you know, that should be coming about uh, shortly. I mean, if you look through our press releases, even some of the partners that we're working with in, in the region, um, I mean, we've just been given, uh, you know, uh, major project status by by the regions, uh, the two regions uh, in Quebec that we work out of and they've written in a letter as well f- on, on our behalf and we have a number of, of parties that are really interested because you see, in, in Quebec, not only do we have phosphate, we have this really rare form of igneous phosphate. It, it, it's it's so special; it really doesn't make sense that it's not on the on the critical minerals list. But like everything, you know, it takes time. the The bureaucrats are are looking at it. They have a lot of requests, so I'm quite hopeful that you know um, this will all um, come into place rather rather quickly
0: well let's shift focus specifically to first phosphate now. I think that's a good segue you've given us some hints as to the operations of the company, but maybe for those who aren't familiar, give us the the broad overview of uh, of first phosphate
1: yeah, so first phosphate is is the only company as far as we know in the world that's you know fully dedicated to extracting and purifying phosphate but specifically for the lithium iron phosphate battery industry you know we, we have no 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 interest in in, in fertilizer we're looking to create uh, technological material and we're looking to vertically integrate from the mine source all the way to the production of LFP cathode active material that is powder that goes into the cathode of, of the battery. So we have a very specific focus and we have a very specific pipeline and we're trying to capture the the upstream and, and the midstream and, and prepare ourselves for, for integration um, into the uh, more downstream processes of the auto manufacturers and large-scale energy storage uh, providers.
0: And you spoke about Quebec igneous rock phosphate a little bit. Could you maybe touch on some more details about why it is such a higher grade than other phosphate materials, and what makes it so special?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. Obviously, the you know the university in the area, University of Chicoutimi, and uh, you know Queen's University, also for us, doing a lot of studies on, you know, why, what happened. So what it seems like it seems like the geology is that you know as these um, uh, minerals were pers- participate precipitating in the lava Millions of years ago, and the lava was cooling. It seems like they all kind of settled at different densities. So it seems like the phosphate is settled within the, the lava rock at a different density, and so that's how it sort of you know auto screened itself or auto purified itself. Um, so we you know we we've done a lot of uh, mineralogy so far, and you know we have almost zero trace elements, zero cadmium, uranium, thorium, like very low parts per million, which is which is astounding when you compare it to um, you know some of the other um, sedimentary phosphates. So this is really important because what what it means is. When you purify, um, you know, to merchant grade phosphoric acid and then to purified phosphoric acid, you know, generally for every one ton of merchant grade phosphoric acid that you create, you create five tons tons of, you know, gypsum, calcium sulfate. Um, And that's where all the impurities lay inside of it. So when you're doing that with sedimentary deposit, that gypsum is, you know, is full of radioactivity like till the end of time kind of thing and it, it's just piled up in big piles and it creates a lot of problems, um, especially in the, some of the areas of the southern United States. Um, but with igneous rock, what's, what's amazing is that there's no impurities in that gypsum so you can almost um, use it to, to make uh, plaster. Um, there's a big German company that that, that will, will take all, all of that, turn it into plaster, fully recycle it, a full circular economy. You don't have these big eyesores of, of, of gypsum piles and you don't have all the you know, potential um, um, contamination of groundwater that comes around around with it, so that's the special beauty of um, you know igneous rock, uh, volcanic rock from Quebec, is that it makes a high amount of purified phosphoric acid. Um, and it and it doesn't leave the big gypsum slag piles, and it, it allows you to do you know circular economy. Uh, we recently had our, our deposit sort of graded by Queen's University um, in Canada, saying that you know probably the, the deposit can become an ESG uh, source of phosphate, and that's really important, Jesse, because there's no other you know ESG uh, driven uh, phosphate deposit in the world that I know of. Um, you know they actually have a lot of issues that they're 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 trying to you know diligently work on.
0: So, could you give us some more details about your assets, the different properties and their main attributes?
1: Yeah, so we have um we have about fifteen hundred square kilometers of claims um across this igneous and site in Quebec uh, you know we we feel that we have sort of locked up all the claims within 300 kilometers of the deep sea port of Sagney. It was really important for us to have you know f- full 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 control over all the phosphate showings in the area. So we did a diligent job of purchasing claims, doing magnetic uh, surveying, um, you know, and working with local prospectors. So we we have a, a large amount of claims, um, but we have two uh, properties that 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 are, you know that are the most advanced. So we have a property called uh, La Calorignal. Uh, it's sitting at 140 kilometers from the deep sea port of Saguenay. Um, it's got four, uh, you know a 43101 uh, resource of 49 million tons in the ground. There's more drilling that can be done, and we're now moving that property into you know preliminary economic uh, evaluation. Um, and we hope to have that out by the end of the year. Um, that property is really interesting because you know you you can get down to the deep sea port with one easy truck haul you know less than two and a half to three hours. standard trucks they can go on all the roads um, the roads are right to the property the roads are you know logging roads that are open all year round and then when we get to the deep sea port, the deep sea port gets us out to you know um, our partners um, in in Europe um, without any locks right and uh, three hundred sixty five days a year. Now we have we did surface sampling on all the other properties that we had uh, tied up, and wouldn 't you believe that at seventy five kilometers from the port, so almost half of the the other property uh, we found you know phosphate indications that you know almost uh, double of what we found on the first property um, and uh, you know it's that 's la marche we 've done about forty two hundred uh, meters of, of drilling on there we 're finding exceptional results. Um, you know, and it's in an area where you, it's very accessible to the port, and it, with the grades, and it, it, it's very near infrastructure, near near pop, near population that is really willing to work and really wants to have uh, the mine in the area. So you know, it's it's looking very very positive on 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 all those levels as well. So two two main two main uh, properties for us at the moment.
0: And could you fill us in on any recent or upcoming news flow about the company that you think investors should be paying attention to?
1: yeah so obviously we're a public company, Jesse, so I, you know I can only say what's already out there in in the press so you know we have indicated that you know we're working on our beneficiation pilot plant. What that means is, as I was talking to you before when you when you take the the ore out of the ground um and you 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 concentrate it right we were able to get to the forty and a quarter percent purity, so right now we're, we're in the process of building a pilot plant around that because uh that mineralogy was just done recently, so now the next step is a pilot plant we 're building a pilot plant we 're building a you know a large um, a bulk sample of that phosphate concentrate and we 'll be sending it to to our partners in Belgium uh, prey on technologies to process that into a purified phosphoric acid and then from there we 'll probably be sending it out to a, a few of our other partners in the um, you know, in the LFP battery space, who will use that purified phosphoric acid uh, for making LFP cathode active material? So, what we're looking to do there, Jesse, is sort of complete the whole supply chain. So, you know, sort of in 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 small and in theory, so that we can get from ore all the way to LFP cathode active material. And then after that's proven out on small scale, obviously, you know, it gives us the ability to move into into bigger scale. Um, so that's number one. Number two, we're going to continue drilling at that new property, Bijan La Marche, um, uh, because, you know, we have exceptional results there. And number three, we're going to continue to move um, La Calorignal into um, uh, PEA uh, this year. Well, John, thank you so much for
0: joining us today. Phosphate, once again, a commodity that is not often discussed, but seems like a really vital one. So we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your knowledge about both the commodity and first phosphate with the viewers.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Jesse. It's, it's been great. To look forward to, to coming back sometime and letting you know uh, how everything develops. Commodity Culture is a podcast that covers investing in commodities and natural resources.
0: If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe so you are always alerted of the latest episodes.